regular basis? Maybe one of the three, right? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. That's kind of probably pretty accurate for most of us. One of the three. But the Lord is assuming we're going to do all three of those. Giving to the poor, which is not what we just did here, taking this offering. That would be different above and beyond supporting this local church. Giving to the poor. um, Praying which we all tend to do. I mean, I did that when we started. Brian led us in doing that. Uh, we, that's what we do. And fasting. <laughs> right? I've confessed that one before. Just want to say, <clears throat> if I'm speaking next week, and I'm going to assume I probably am, unless Carol's uh, peg leg pirate, Long John Silver, is going to come in, <laughs> which I doubt. <laughs> um, that's what we're going to be on next week, is the fasting. So... You've been warned. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So those three things. And uh, last week I talked about uh, prayer, the corruption of prayer in verse 5, where he said people do it to be seen by others, and that corrupts the whole context of prayer, the whole meaning of it. That was uh, verse 5. Verse 6 was I gave as the correction for prayer, and this is the same correction Jesus gives in all of this about hypocrisy. Do it in secret. And we discuss you don't have to do everything in secret. This is in relation to being seen, to being uh, to try to trying to impress others. So it's not like every single prayer has to be in your closet in secret, but I very much encourage you to have some of your prayer life that way, because that will be the least tainted, maybe, if it's just you and God. Um, and then the last one uh, will be fasting. So, But with prayer, the corruption of it, the correction of it is doing things in secret, and then the content, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the content of prayer. This, I mentioned, I think I mentioned last week, ironically, what we usually refer to as the Lord's Prayer, right? And then Bible teachers frequently will say, no, it's actually the disciples' prayer. (laughs) It's not the Lord's prayer, but that's how we refer to it as the Lord's prayer. Um, I'm just going to be, I always try to be totally real. That's just the person I am, which is why I'm not always that polished or refined. You may have picked up on that a long time ago (laughs) with me. Um, And vice versa. Seriously. Um, I wouldn't be here if I didn't assume that, Brian, really. Um, This has to be the most well-known prayer, I would say, in the history of the world. Right? Would you agree? Certainly in all of Christianity and all of religion. But I would say in the history of mankind, of humanity, this is probably the most well-known prayer. If anybody is not qualified to get up here and teach on it, you're looking at him. And I mean that in absolute truth. There are amazing preachers and teachers and scholars who would spend weeks and months going through this. I mean, it is so full of stuff. You're stuck with me. I mean, I'm just it. That's not meant to be like, you know, false humility or anything. It's just, I'm just 
I'm just me. I'm just me. But, and I love you too. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm just going to go through it. There will be a whole bunch of stuff that I won't even look at. Um, you probably also know me by now. I'm more of a drive-by Bible teacher than I am a, you know, land the plane, shut off the engines, and camp out there for a long time. Not that one's better or worse. They're, they're different. So that's what I'm going to do is just look through here. Um, but it's interesting. You know me, I'm all about context. And um, so Jesus says, starting at verse 6, and when you pray, right? He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. That means as the heathen do, as the unbelievers do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Sometimes we pray. He wants to hear us pray and ask, right, and bring our needs. But we don't always have to give him the shopping list because he knows. Sometimes we pray and, and I'll be like, Lord, I'm praying for my neighbor. Her name is Lana. She lives next door to me. You know, her husband left her. He knows, right? He knows. I don't need to bore him with details. Not that God gets bored. But if, it's, if that's important to me, then that's a good thing to share. But it's, sometimes it's good to remember he knows. He knows what I need before I ask. Pray then like this, and then we get into the heart of this. And it's ironic and tragic that what Jesus just said has been done to the next verses probably more than any other part of the Bible. Right? Yeah, I think so. There's millions of people who pray this repetitiously. You know, many words over and over and over. And he just got through saying, it's not about the quantity it's about the quality. It's about the heart. And the essence of prayer is my heart communicating to him. Okay. Um, so pray then like this, he says. Our Father in heaven. Father, totally important, right? He's not some far-off deity. He's our Father. Let me just say, give a word here on the... Uh, the grammatical, this is as far as I'm going to go with the grammatical thing, Spencer, if you ever see this or hear it. Jesus is speaking in the second person, is that correct? We. Yeah, we, our. In He's speaking in the plural. When he says, our Father, uh, give us, uh, forgive us our debts. But I would encourage you, if you're not in a group and you pray this, make it singular. It's you, right? First person, me. So if I were praying, I would say my father, or just father, in heaven. He's not here, right? Now, keep it in context. 2,000 years ago, everybody had different religions. They had idols. They had temples where their deities lived, and you would have to go there. There are still some religions that feel it's essential to go on pilgrimages and go to a certain place, a geographical place in the world. God is in heaven. He's not here. He's not in ABF. Now, 
if you know your theology, we know God is omnipresent. So he's present everywhere, right? He's present everywhere. But we are taught to think of him and acknowledge him in heaven. He's in heaven. You can read visions and stuff about God on the throne and, you know, being in heaven and all of that. So is it kind of confusing? Yeah, he's God, right? He's infinite. He exceeds our ability to comprehend and control him. So he is both the Father in heaven and present everywhere. Does that clarify it? <laughs> so he's present every place. But we're, we're taught, especially by the Son, we're taught to think of God the Father as in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. May your name be treated as holy. May your name be regarded as holy. Does that happen in our world today? Not at all. Very important that we do not impose the biblical requirements and teaching on the unbelieving world around us. The unbelieving world is still fully accountable for their sin. But if heathen act like heathen, don't get too distraught over that, right? If zombies act like zombies, if dead people walking act like dead people walking, that's what they do, because that's what they are. And so, you know, if you see, if you work with somebody or you see a commercial on TV or whatever, and there's the blaspheming of God's name, I'm not saying you should never intervene, but just be aware you can't expect the people under the dominion of the evil one to act like they're serving the Lord. So if they blaspheme God's name, don't, it, actually it probably should hurt you a little bit, right? It should, there should be a little twinge. It should kind of wound you. Or if somebody blasphemes the Lord Jesus, it should, that shouldn't just go right on by. I'm just trying to say they're the world. They're unbelievers. They're in darkness. So don't, don't, You have to expect dead people to act like dead people because they're dead, spiritually dead. But that's what that name, that's what that means. May your name be proved holy, treated, treated with reverence. That's for us. That's for us. May we always revere God. And we're given his name, right? We, We don't have an image of God right? Yeah, we don't. I mean, of God, God. We do not have a a visible image. We don't have statues that are really very relevant. We have his name. That's what we're given, right? When he showed up for Moses in the wilderness, he gave his name. I am who I am. That's how he identified himself. He didn't say, I'm the God of the burning bush and I want you to carry around this this effigy of a burning bush with you forever because that represents me. No. It's his name. So we are to revere his name. One day, it will be by sight. One day, we will see him. Yeah. But in the meantime, we just keep on going, right? But one day, 
It will happen. Okay, hallowed be your name. May your name be revered, treated as holy. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Jesus is saying, your kingdom come. I've been preaching the kingdom had already come because Jesus had already started and he was already teaching about the kingdom right here in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? So Jesus saying the kingdom is at hand. He's already said this before he gets to chapter 6. Repent for the kingdom of God, the rule, the redemptive rule and reign of God, of Christ, is at hand. It's within reach. It's here. It's just like this. It's, it's right here among us. But not fully and completely. So Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. He's saying, Lord, may your kingdom come quickly, soon, in all of its fullness. And I think Brian, Brian or Tom, I think it was Brian mentioned about God's patience, right? So we should yearn for God to come and bring the fullness of the kingdom and we should stand in the gap and say, but wait, Lord, but wait, because more need to be saved, right? We cannot love others as we love ourselves and think, you guys are all going to hell. As soon as Jesus is coming back, I am out of here, and that's your problem. You know, I hope you have good fire insurance. Where's the love? There would be no love in that, right? So, so we should live in this constant tension and turmoil of Lord come quickly but not until my brother gets saved or not until my child comes to faith in you and understands who you are come quickly but my co-worker Lord this person is lost and that should be the tension that we're in in the kingdom right now we want what we want for our benefit like the apostle Paul said It's to my benefit that I die and go to be with Jesus, but it's for the church's benefit that I remain. We should have that exact same heart tension. And if we don't, we got the wrong priorities. I'm just saying, I got to stand up here and tell you, if you don't live in that tension of come quickly, Lord. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm, it's a struggle. It's a war. Your name is blasphemed. People treat each other evil. But wait, Lord, because this person needs your mercy. They need your salvation. You need to reveal yourself to them that they understand what the shed blood of Christ is about and they could be washed in the blood and forgiven and be born again and have a whole new hope. Like some lady from China. Right? I don't know about that whole story. I don't know if, if she's some crazy lady, if she's a Chinese, if she's a Russian or an American secret agent to try to blame the Chinese. The only part of that story I cared about was she was baptized two weeks ago. Right? Yeah. Amen! One for the kingdom! You know, the whole COVID thing, God holds COVID in his hand just like anything else. It's, it doesn't catch him by surprise. We kind of have to, you know, make it up as we go. And, you know, should I get this? Should I do that? Is the government, you know, is it, is it wrong to, you know, put this thing on or do this or do that? We've got to figure it out. But it's nothing to him. Our hearts are what matter to him. Our obedience to him. Understanding we live in his kingdom under the kingship and the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what matters to him. And if you got to put on a stupid mask or get a shot in your arm or, 
you know, get a transfusion or, or not do any of that because it's a communist plot or, or whatever. That's all incidental. I, I don't mean to say it's not important or these things are not real or not real struggles. I'm just trying to keep it in perspective. What does that have to do with eternity? What does that have to do with my daughter coming to know Jesus is the way and the, true and the li- truth and the life? Yeah. That's the priority. Your will be done. That's a tough one. Right? Can you say that 24-7? Lord, your will be done. Oh, my neighbor's playing that loud music again. Your will be done. And I won't get rid of those stupid birch trees. And every year, that's all I do is clean up the leaves from her trees because the wind always blows that way. Your will be done. I can't get in jail, Lord. I want to go to jail. What do I got to do? Get arrested? Let me in. Your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. On earth, in ABF, in the state of Alaska, in Juneau, in Washington. God is sovereign, right? He raises up nations and he pulls them down. God, your will be done in Washington. They're making important decisions. Most of them are totally blind to what they're doing. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah, in Juneau. Most of them have no clue the, the real ramifications of what they're doing. But you do. Right. Your will be done. When Mayor Bronson is battling the council and stuff, and I know you, we're all going to you know, plant our flag here or there or whatever, your will be done. Forget my opinion, Lord. Your will be done. On earth, here, as it is in heaven. That's one of those things I don't know that much about, which is like most of this. Your will be done on earth. Okay, I kind of get that. Because earth is in rebellion. We have a false king named Satan who's leading the majority of the people in rebellion. Right? That's what my Bible teaches. Yeah. There is a war going on. And frankly, we are way outnumbered. Except those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Like the prophet said. Yeah. So there's this war going on here. His will in heaven. I mean, all I can think about in heaven is I think like of Job. You know, when Satan came and appeared before the Lord in heaven. So I'm thinking his will is done in heaven. I don't think he really tolerates a whole lot of rebellion in his presence. I'm just guessing. I don't really know. If you know stuff about that, please tell me. But I I do know Jesus is saying we we are to pray that his will is done here as it is there. Your will be done, Lord. I still want to decide how I spend my time. I still want to decide what I do with my life. I still want to decide where I live. I want to live in a nice neighborhood, not one of those hard ones. I still want to do all these different things. You're shaking your head now? Yeah. Your will be done. But maybe God's calling you to go to some country where they kill people who believe just what you believe. Okay, as a parent, no. you got to rethink that if it's my child. (laughs) 
But as an individual, your will be done, right? Maybe you feel like, ah, you know, Mountain View is a mess. They need people to live there who can reach out to the community. And your house is going to get broken into, and your car is probably going to get stolen. I mean, let's just count the costs. Your will be done. I could buy this house or that house. This house is way nicer. And the realtor says they really got to sell it so I could get a great deal. But I kind of feel like this one is the part of town where I should live. Your will be done. You get me? It's hard. I I struggle with all the same stuff you guys do. I'm just the one up here talking. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, man, and then he follows it up with this one. Give us this day our daily bread. Really? I'm an American. We're all about planning, investing. My son-in-law is trying to figure out how he can figure out, you know, how he's going to get a million and a half dollars by the time he retires. And uh, Anthony's not that much younger than I am. (laughs) He's older than my oldest daughter that he married, so I'm just saying... So he's got his hands full with his plan for what he wants to do. Now, okay, let me just stop and say, I am not against saving. I'm not against wise investing. Okay, I want to go on record for that. It is, it is uh, good stewardship to use all the resources God gives you. Finances, your health, time on earth, all of those things. It's good stewardship to do it according to his will. But we live in a culture that's a slave to this, don't we? At least I do. I live in a culture that is a slave to this. Everybody wants more than their daily bread. And, you know, just to be fair, that could also be interpreted, give us this day our bread for tomorrow. I mean, it could be that. But he doesn't say, give us this day a big pile of money so I can live on steak and lobster from here on out. It's not, doesn't say that. It says, give us, and if I pray it in the singular, give me today the bread, the basic necessity of life that I need for tomorrow. That's what that means. My wife and I were talking about some of this, and she goes, well, how's it look if, uh, you know, the guy who's preaching is driving a 2019 Camry? You know, meaning like, what's kind of, you know, swanky. Well, for us, that gives you an idea how we live, but anyway. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I'm, actually, I'm okay with that, because I didn't just choose to buy a 2019 Camry. A guy ran a red light and totaled my dad's truck that was over 20 years old which was the vehicle of my choosing. So all that to say, that has to come from our heart. And if we're praying this, we will see ourselves as stewards more of what he has given to us, right? So what goes in this bag, and way more importantly, I shouldn't say that because I'm one of the pastors here, but also very, very important is what doesn't go in that bag. You follow me? Everything that you don't put in there, you will be accountable for. 
I'm just saying that's my job. I have to tell you that. I have to warn you. You will be accountable for all of it. Everything we have is given to us. John said, what can a man have except what's been given to him from heaven? My time, my health, the, this time to talk to you, everything. Our, our material possessions, our family, our friends, the context in which we work. All of that is something that God has entrusted to you individually. Be faithful in that. And if that means you got to have a refresher course with Brian about how to hit some people over the head with the gospel, then do that. <laughs> right? He'll be more than happy <laughs> to update, <laughs> upgrade your standards. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, part of that is being a witness. And we have to share the hope that we have inside of us. We can't just stand by and watch everybody around us on the the fast lane to the grave and hell which comes after that and not be affected it has to touch us that's why we have to say Lord your kingdom come quickly but but wait give us this day our daily bread and forgive us forsake lay aside put away our debts the word debts here is something owed something that's legally due so I'm to pray, Lord, forgive me. I ask you to forsake, to lay aside, to put away what I owe you. And what I owe him is sinlessness. And I don't do very good on that, to be honest. So I have to ask him. Now again, we have all of scripture. We have all of doctrine. We should know about the substitutionary atonement of Christ on the cross and that his death his death, burial, and resurrection prove that he paid once for all, all of our sin. Right? Right? That's good doctrine. That's solid Christian doctrine. That all the sins of the world, from Adam to whatever, end of Revelation, all of it, he took on himself on the cross, which is a mind blower. And you should think about that. When he suffered and when he died. So all sin in terms of payment to God, has been atoned for. Sort of. I say sort of because if I reject that atonement, I got my own bill to pay, right? It's for those who believe. And if I don't believe, then I got to pay up myself. And that will never be good for anybody. Never, ever. Which again, then should motivate us to be a witness to those around us and to share the good news of the hope of the gospel that everything that's messed up in your life and this world around us can be paid for. You can be free from that. I mean, if you were in debt hundreds of thousands of, or let's say millions of dollars, like you were an NBA player who didn't use good financial wisdom, and you're in debt millions and millions and millions. More than you could ever pay back, which there are some NBA players like that. And somebody said, all your debt can be paid. Wouldn't that get your attention? All of your debt. This is even a worse debt, a bigger debt, a heavier debt, a harder to pay debt. It's sin. So we pray, Lord, forgive me my debts. It's always a good thing to confess my sin, right? 
Now, my doctrine from the Bible isn't that if there's one sin and I forget to confess it, then it's unconfessed, therefore I'm obligated. No, that's not the evangelical biblical doctrine. Because we all going to forget something, then we're all lost. Yeah. But it's good to confess. It's good to examine our hearts when we do this, before this. And he speaks to us. He, he'll remind us. And it may be like, oh, thank, thank you, Lord. Please forgive me for cutting that person off on the road because I was in a hurry to get here because I didn't want to come in late. Or it might be something way, way more important. And it might be something he's been nudging you and needling you on for a long time. Don't wait. And the trick here is, as Jesus says, so forgive me my debts as or in like manner that I forgive, forgive others who owe me, who have sinned against me. Anybody want to pray that one? But this is what he's teaching us, right? That's why forgiveness is so important. It's Matthew 18, the, the two servants. And the one was called before the, the king or the master, and he owed millions and millions and millions, and he couldn't pay it back. And the master's like, okay, you're going to prison, you know, because that's what they did then. You throw you in debtor's jail, I'm going to sell your family as slaves, you know, you're never getting out. And he says, Lord, please, please have mercy on me, please. And the master's like, okay, I'll do that. And then another servant goes to the first servant who owes him hundreds of dollars, the equivalent. And the, the millions servant is like, pay up, dude. And he's like, I can't. I don't have it right now. Too bad then, you know, he slaps him up and drags him off, throws him in prison. And Jesus says, all about forgiveness. It's like, we are the one who owed millions to God and we are graciously forgiven. How can I not forgive somebody who's done something to me? That's the reality of this. And lead us not into temptation. Hopefully you realize God does not tempt. The Bible says he does not tempt us. He is not the tempter. This right here can, is and can be interpreted two different ways. The temptation can be enticement to sin. That's what the tempter does. That's what the devil does. He entices us to sin, to fail. Because for him, he gets it more than we do. Everything is about the glory of God. And he knows that. So everything he does is always to detract from the glory of God. If we start figuring that out, the way we live will change dramatically. But God does not lead us into sin to, to fail. He doesn't entice us. He leads us along a way that puts us to the test that our faith is proven. That's what that means. So in James 1.13, when he says, Rejoice when you encounter various trials. Same word. Rejoice when you encounter trials. And why did James say that? Because God uses those trials, that difficulty, to perfect you. To make you stronger. It's like when I was about 115 pounds as a freshman in high school, and I'm not exaggerating, and I had to start going to the weight room because, you know, someday I wanted to play on the football team, and, you know, I wasn't even, yeah, you get it. I mean, that's kind of like that little cattail thing. 115 pounds as a freshman in high school. So you have to start working out. 
and you know, and eating right and working out and eating right and working out and eventually you start to develop and put on some muscle and you get stronger. That's exactly what God does when he leads us along a way where we are tested, if we respond correctly. But deliver us from the evil, from evil or from the evil one. Amen, Lord, always. He has, doctrinally we know, he has taken us from the power of the kingdom of Satan and put us in the kingdom of God. So we've been like ultimately delivered, but we're not free of influence right? Yeah, and so that's what this is about. Okay, I know that was quick, that was fast. Um, I would ask you, out of all those verses, if you had to pick like one word or one theme, what would jump out to you in those one, two, three, four, four or five verses, 10 or 12 lines? I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things, but there's one thing that kind of shows up a little more than the rest. In fact, I'll read the verse that comes after that, and it's going to make it very clear. Verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if you had to pick like the big point in that Lord's Prayer, I would say forgiveness, right? Forgiveness. He's, he talks more about it than other things. I mean, he's talking about God in heaven, his name, the kingdom, God's will being done. Give us what we need for the day. Forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. So I'm going to close uh, if, you're, if you're writing, taking notes. Uh, there's some good examples of prayer. Um, Matthew 18 on forgiveness. You could read that if you want to do further reading or whatever. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Other good examples. Old Testament, Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11. The first part of Nehemiah's prayer is very similar to this prayer right here. And then the disciples' prayer in Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. Look at what's going on with those Christians. They're Christians just like us. They just live in a different time in a different place. And look what's going on with them and what they're praying for. And now I'd encourage you to just look through the last part. And you don't even have to do all this now. My prayers for myself and my family are about... So maybe later today, think that through. What is it I'm always praying for? What typifies my prayers for myself or my family? My prayers for my church are about what? Our church's prayers are about what? And think of terms of content. Now, I'm not throwing any rocks at the lady sitting right over here. She puts the prayer requests out that she gets. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm not pointing any fingers at Carol. But think about all the church prayer requests that we pray for. Look in your bulletin. What are we praying for? Health, sometimes safety. Sometimes it's stuff to do with money. I had a guy ask me once, pray. He goes, okay, 
you're a man of prayer. Will you pray that I close this one deal? Because if I do, I'm going to make a killing and I can give more to the church. I'm not making this up. And I'm like, and I'm already thinking, yeah, okay, I'll pray for that. I ain't praying for it the way he wanted. (laughs) But I will pray that God will speak to this man, you know, work in this man's life, that he understands what is important and what is not. I mean, I've known people who are like, pray that I win this contest because I'll get like a billion dollars. And think of all the good I could do with it. And it's like, well, if you're doing good with 100,000, my Bible says he will trust you with a billion later. If you're not doing good with 100,000 or 10,000 or $10, whatever the Lord has entrusted to us now, uh, there ain't going to be no bump up coming later. This is when we're being tested for what will come. But think about what, what is it we're always praying for? I mean, we, we got older people, we got sick people. I'm both categories, actually. So I understand the need, you know, for doctors and surgeries, and I understand all that. But brothers and sisters, hear me right now. We are here for the kingdom the overarching prayer request that we should be sending into Carol to publish should have to do with the kingdom. It should have to do with when we had our, our Ray Comfort training. It should have to do with people wanting to reach people around them. And I don't necessarily mean, oh, and pray for my you know, uncle because he's kind of on his last breaths and he doesn't know Jesus. I mean, that's okay. That's not wrong. But if you're going to pray for that, that someone's about to die, and that they would come to know the Savior, always at least pray for one very young person, that they will come to know the Savior, and God will use their life for years to come, and explode that one life across the kingdom, and use them in a powerful way. That's my heart. Okay, um... What percentage of my prayers resemble the Lord's Prayer above? And I just came up with percentages. You can pick one. Um, I consider the Father's will in the kingdom when I pray. Never, rarely, occasionally, usually, always, or... Wait, what's the kingdom again, Greg? What was that? Uh, Changes I should make regarding my prayer life. This needs to be honest and reasonable. And one change I will make starting today. Lord, thank you. Uh, We are grateful. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful for you, Lord Jesus, teaching us content of godly, kingdom-focused prayer. I pray, God, you do a mighty work in all of us, that we would truly be people who are amazed at your awesome grace and people who are passionate to share that good news with others. Thank you. We praise you. Ask your blessing on the remainder of our day, our time next door, and the food. Uh, We do lift up people that have physical ailments and are struggling, I think especially for uh, Spencer. I know that's a hard surgery. There's a lot of pain. So I pray for my brother in that. And I pray, God, that you use us in increasing ways in the days ahead. In Christ's name, amen.